Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. Today we want to specifically talk about the light of joy. We've been talking about living in the light, and we will continue doing so. But light is this thing that changes the darkness around us, right? It impacts the darkness. You can't have light without it impacting what's around it. And so when we talk about joy, there is a light of joy that impacts the world around us. When we walk in joy, it's addictive. It's attractive. It's something that changes atmospheres. And so we want to make sure, both for our own benefit and for the benefit of those around us, that we are experiencing, choosing, walking in joy. So when we talk about that, and you know, there's so many like happy, perky Christmas carols and songs and things that, that talk about joy. And sometimes it actually can be annoying um, when you're not feeling it. Or like, have you, have you experienced this? Well, I won't mention which stores, but um, some stores, you get in the lineups. And at this moment, there's like the really, the really perky music happening and you're standing there and there's kids screaming and people shoving and like the race for like you could see carts coming together for the one till and it's like nobody wants to actually race but you are and you're you're like power stepping up you know just because everybody needs you know if you don't make it to the line first that heaping cart in front of you is going to be like it's going to feel like an hour and a half that you're standing there waiting. So people are like contending for joy. And then there's like, um, Wayne was at a, um, a grade six Christmas concert this week when the band played. I got sent a video of, because uh, he's like, how's your day? I'm like, great, how's yours? He sent me the video. He's like, that should speak for itself. I'm like, you're a hero, clearly, because um, not, not that, not that, I don't know how many grade six band teachers we might have uh, possibly around, but uh, yeah, one in the back. It wasn't your school, was it? No, okay, good. Um, you know, perfection takes time or, or competence even <laughs> takes time. And, and uh, so there's, there's things, there's, there's situational experiences that we can have this time of year that feel less than joyful. And it's why it's so important that as the church, we pause and identify joy and we recognize the light that we're intended to carry. That we, we separate what, what is a feeling from what is a reality. That we separate something that is an ongoing truth for us from the circumstances that we face because we all face them. And so when we look at this, we're going to pick this out and just dissect it a little bit. We're on the, the search for what is joy like. Joy is actually a marker and a sign of the presence of Christmas. It's a marker and a sign of the presence of Christ. It is a why that we are meant to carry that tells the world, that tells ourselves, that tells our family that we know Jesus. And, and we have to understand this because we also need to separate what is Christmas from what is Yuletide, from what is winter solstice, from what is one of the many other things that get celebrated in this year, and they're all mushed together. We kind of, we kind of um, have a hard time separating. I, I was buying uh, gift bags the other day, 
I was buying packages of them and they had like nice snowflakes on the outside and I get into the middle ones and then there's all the Santa Clauses all over them. And I'm like, I'm not giving out Santa Claus bags. Why am I so adamant about it? And some of you might have to have a family talk after this, but nevertheless, my, am I so adamant about it? Because I feel like I am very focused on this. I want what we do to mark Jesus. And so I'm okay with snowflakes and things because this is the time of year that it happens in most years. Um, but generally speaking, there are snowflakes and snowmen and, th you know, happy things like that at this time of year. But we are focused on Jesus. And so what, what can happen is like pagan traditions and things that are not really part of this at all can bleed in. And we need to understand what it is we celebrate, who it is we celebrate. And I'm not just talking about Jesus is the reason for the season and just putting it out there like something. I'm saying we should be transformed on the inside and joy should be a reality that we are walking in. And so how do we get there? We have to step back from the trappings of the holiday and go to the root of it. And then we can add on the parties. Then we can add on the celebration. Then we can add on the different things that we do to celebrate, but we have to have the heart in place. So I'm going to read one more time the verse. We've already had it a couple times, but we need to get this. So this is from the New Living Translation, Luke 2. 8 to 11 and it says that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them so there's light right the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them and they were terrified but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. I bring you great joy, uh, good news that will bring great joy to all people. Um, in verse 11, if we've got it. But the angel reassured them. Oh, yeah. Do we, could we possibly have it? I'm sorry. I think I messed that up in the notes. It says, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, big deal, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, in the city of David. So there is something happening. There's this announcement. There's a light. There's a flash. There's song. There's celebration in the heavenlies. And there is good news of great joy. Joy is the product of this good news. And the good news is that the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. Not just a baby has been born. We all celebrate when a baby is born. But the Savior, the Messiah, has been born. Now, this is where we have to grab this and we have to lay hold of what it is that we're actually talking about. The Messiah, the Savior, means that somebody needed to be saved from something. When we grasp what actually it means that the Savior came and we recognize that we're the ones who needed to be saved from something, it becomes a lot more than ho, 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 Merry Christmas. And it becomes this deep shout from joy, go tell it on the mountain, Jesus Christ is born. Something big happens on the inside when we realize we actually didn't just need a little encouragement in the middle of winter because winter's dark and long, but we needed a Savior a Messiah to transform life. So let's just break this down a little bit. Number one, Christmas is good news of great joy. 
And so we're going to pull apart the words just a little bit. And again, my, my heart today, and I believe that what God is prodding on us and prompting on us is as we've been talking about, you know, let there be light this season, we're the ones that carry the light. So sometimes we need to pause and recognize what it is that we carry. Have you ever had one of those lamps that has the, you have a, either candle on the inside or you have the, the oil on the inside and the smoke can soot it up? And it just gets dimmer and dimmer and you don't really notice that it's happening until you clean the thing and suddenly you're like, wow, how did we see it all? Like that, it totally changed things. Sometimes the stuff of life begins to just smoke up the lens through which we shine. And we need to go back and clean it off and let the, the light of Jesus shine as it's meant to shine. So the message that was brought, the thing that was the declaration, the thing that the angels came to say was that this baby announcement that the Savior has been born. So let's start, for instance, with the word Christmas. Christmas has a very specific meaning. It's been tagged on to all kinds of other traditions. It's been tagged on to different ways of celebrating. It's been partnered with a lot of pagan traditions. It's been partnered with a lot of uh, solstice traditions. It's been partnered with a lot. But Christmas means, mass means celebration, and Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. So it literally is the celebration of the Christ. It is the celebration of the anointed one, the Messiah, the Savior. That is literally what it means. You cannot, by definition, celebrate Christmas without Christ. It's just a winter party. Seriously. If we don't recognize Christ is the reason, Christmas, the celebration of the Christ, the celebration of the Messiah, we miss it entirely. This, this uh, season has to be something that we contend for. And this year I have made it my mission to stay on point with this because I, I have had years where I just get absorbed into the busyness of, of the things that are going on and it has not been any less busy this year. But I have determined I am doing this with joy in his presence, for him, for his glory. Anything that doesn't feel essential to the celebration of Christ is getting cut. And so that has been the journey. And I've only had one rough day this month. The rest of the month I've been like, bring on Christmas. I actually put up, like the decorations went up middle of November. And I know some people are opposed to that. Generally I have been in the past, but I'm like, if you don't get ahead of this thing, the, the, the other stuff just sucks you down and you forget. And, and you get so busy with the fake Christmas that sometimes, like, we have at times decided, like, do we even bother? Like, we're so tired from the other stuff. Do we even bother decorating? We have lit it up at our house. We're not quite the Griswold family Christmas, but it feels close sometimes. I literally just got my first power bill since we installed all the lights. <laughs> and I say my power bill because we actually, how we do our budget in our house, we divide up, you pay for like certain things. We have like shared stuff, but then we also, just so that stuff gets covered. And it's convenient that Wayne felt really exuberant this year in his celebration of light. And it's so good. But also um, that the power bill comes to, to me. And so <laughs> I opened the envelope the other day. <laughs> I opened the envelope the other day and I'm like, well, Merry Christmas to us. That's, it is candlelight from here on out. We are just going to celebrate in the sweetness of the flame. That's going to be awesome. But, 
But we have decided to purpose ourselves to celebrate Christmas this year because it is the celebration of the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the one who changed it all. It's the celebration of Jesus. And Jesus, for those who don't know in Hebrew, is Yeshua, which literally means God saves. So when Jesus has been born, when the declaration has been made that Jesus was born, the Savior is here, God saves. We are celebrating not the fact that it's sparkly, twinkly, frosty, the snowman. We are celebrating the fact that God saves. One of the things that is a big key to that and celebrating it accurately is realizing how very much we needed a Savior, how very much we need a savior. And sometimes I think when the message gets lost and the, the celebration gets lost, it's because we forget how desperately we need a savior. That we have been separated from God, that prior to that announcement that Pastor Brad talked about this morning, prior to that announcement in the sky that there has been a change upon the earth, prior to that there was this separation and man was bumbling around on their own trying to come up with stuff. And, and when we look at history pre-Jesus, some of the ways that people thought they could encounter God were so diabolical and pure evil, but this desperation to somehow connect with the divine was built into societies globally. There, there was this thing that happened around the world that we, we, can, we can do certain rituals, we can perform certain things, we can, we can make an encounter with God. Well, there were certainly encounters with something, but it wasn't God. So this is not only just a, a celebration, the celebration of Christ is not just a celebration that God came, but he came to me. He came to you. He came and offered something that you couldn't provide on your own. The joy is not the result of hearing about Jesus. It's the result of receiving Jesus. And that changes all the things receiving Jesus, recognizing that I have a savior. The, um, there's a quote by Tim Keller that I think is so great. It says, the founders of every major religion said, I'll show you how to find God. Jesus said, I'm the God who has come to find you. Isn't that good? I am the God who has come to find you. God made his way and he offered something. It's great joy, uh, good news of great joy to all people. It's available to all people and we can hear about it and we can sing about it and we can talk about it. We can even pray kind of, but when we receive the savior, we receive life on the inside and something changes. Ephesians 2, 1 to 2 says, and, he, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the power of the air. And Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What does it mean that we need a savior? It means that prior to Jesus, we are walking according to the dictates of this earth and serving a different God, whether we realize it or not. That there, there's brokenness, there's, there's sin, there's death, there's pain, there's evil, that we actually, whether we realized it or not, we were serving it, we were partners with it, we were under it, we carried it. 
And then Jesus, and while we were still in that position and not that desirable, honestly, Jesus came and he died for us. We can't separate the manger from the cross. The two go together. When the angels declared he is the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, the Savior, the prophecies connected to the birth of, of uh, uh, God in the form of man that, that was tied through all of the Old Testament, the scriptures, the prophecies that declared that Jesus was going to be coming also declared that he would die also declared that there was going to be a price that had to be paid. You cannot separate the two. So when we celebrate this, Jesus came for me, we also have to celebrate. He came to die. Why? And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Why did he come to be born, to die? Because that's where we were stuck. And he came to rescue us. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Jesus has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. This is the message translation. Let's read it in the New King James as well. Can you throw me verse one again, please? Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in hope. The Message Bible says, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. It means that the gospel, the good news that was shared, was an opportunity offered to all, received by few. We get the choice. But when we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. There's something that comes into right standing with him simply because we receive it. Everything else that's declared, everything else that the angels said, everything else that Mary and Joseph experienced, all of the beginning stuff, the death on the cross, the, the actual crucifixion, the raising from the dead, that's all on God's side. All we do is receive, but when we receive, it brings us new life, and according to what the angels declared right from the beginning, it will bring great joy to all people. So when we receive this thing, when we have this walk, when we recognize I actually needed a savior, I actually needed somebody to reconcile me to God, I actually needed something to connect me to God, and Jesus is that, it means that not only am I just like praying, God, get me through Christmas, I pause and go, how amazing is it that I get to pray? It's not just singing the songs of, of worship and, you know, enjoying the, the, the fellowship and, and the, the, the sense of, of the presence of God in a, in a room like this. It's, it's recognizing I get to sing to God. I get to worship him. I get to know him. He took what was broken and damaged and messy and dirty and sinful in me and he, he pulled me out of this. He offered me something and all I had to do was say yes and step into this relationship with him. And now I get to talk to him. 
I get to engage him. I get to walk with God. I am not alone. This is literally great joy to all people. So number two, as we've already said this morning, happiness and joy are not the same thing. And this is a really big deal. Happiness, especially when biblically used, is often translated as blessed. And it is usually about something that has happened or is about to happen, a situation or a revelation. So it's situational. Happiness comes and goes. Have you ever noticed you can be happy one minute and then you get a phone call? You, somebody says something, does something, you, you know, you're happy, you're driving down the road, somebody cuts you off, whatever. Happiness can be somewhat fleeting. But joy is meant to be this anchor that's on the inside. And so joy, um, specifically in the, in the translation that is used in all of these stories, it means calm delight and adopted attitude of internal cheerfulness not determined by current struggles. Calm delight and adopted attitude of internal cheerfulness. It means something on the inside of me is rock solid. It's something that is, I have this joy on the inside. We, we teach it to our kids. We sing these songs, you know, about, about joy like a fountain. We, we teach them the word, but then sometimes as adults, we struggle with living it. This is not dependent on our circumstances whatsoever. It is a revelation on the inside, a calm delight, an adopted attitude of internal cheerfulness that knows the Savior came for me. I will always have something to smile about. I will always have something to celebrate. And to rejoice, which we see in a lot of the same scriptures, means calmly happy, well off, and full of joy full of joy. So if I'm rejoicing, it means that joy is just bubbling out. That's the kind of thing that from the place of connection that I have with Jesus, it's bubbling out of me. Nothing about that is circumstantial. It is relational. Totally relational. You can, you can literally be in the worst circumstances and rejoice. Crazy, right? Joy is not a state of being or circumstantial. It is a state of the heart. It's a state of the heart. It's not a circumstantial thing. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, I, I feel like, I mean, we've all hopefully watched The Passion of the Christ. I feel like that picture of Jesus on the cross has nothing to do with happiness. There's nothing happy about that. There's, there's nothing, nothing in that measure of sacrifice and pain and suffering that brings about any feeling of happiness. But for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus chose joy in the most horrific circumstances imaginable. He chose joy. If joy is about this attitude of the heart and joy is this thing that was offered to us, that's declared to us when that, that announcement came, Great joy to all people. How do you think 
God wants us to be in this season. Like literally, it was declared to us, it was modeled for us, it's a choice. And we get to decide whether we're gonna engage it or not. Joy is an internal delight, a celebration of the soul. It's an internal thing that we guard, that we choose, that we live. An internal delight, a celebration of the soul. First Peter 1 verse 8 says, uh, talking about Jesus, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Some translations say joy unspeakable and full of glory. What? Where's the joy coming from? Jesus, who we haven't seen in the flesh, we love. Though now we don't see him, yet we believe and we have joy unspeakable and full of glory. What is glory? His manifest presence. That means that we are intended as people who know God to walk in a place of internal delight, internal joy, this, this constant calm delight and full of his presence because of the relationship, because of who he is. There's something that just bubbles out of us. It's built into this thing. C.S. Lewis says, I sometimes wonder whether the pleasures of life are not simply substitutes for joy. And how often when we're hunting for that Christmas feeling, I don't know if I feel very Christmassy. We will go and put on music. We'll try and like add a little feeling. We'll go to events. We'll, we'll try and find our Christmas spirit. Guess where we should find it? Christmas spirit is really the celebration of the Christ and the spirit or the feeling means I'm choosing to make it alive in me, which means I'm choosing to invest in the relationship. I'm choosing to say thank you. I'm choosing to say you are my savior. You are the Messiah. You are the one who came from me. No matter what has happened in my life, no matter how broken I was, no matter how many times I've sinned, no matter how ugly my life has been, you came for me. You came to this manger so that you could go to that cross, so that you could go to that grave, so that you could go into the bowels of hell and grab the keys of life and death so that you could rise again, so that you could be seated at the right hand of the Father and you could position me to be seated together with you in heavenly places. I have a reason to rejoice. It literally is not circumstantial. Joy unspeakable and full of glory is worth pursuing. And I know circumstances aren't great for everybody. I mean, we can only, we look around our city, we know circumstances aren't great, but joy can be unshakable. Joy that has been anchored well in the presence of God is forever. So number three, then joy is an expression of God's presence in us. It's an expression of God's presence in us. Adrian Rogers says, joy is the birthmark of the child of God. Every Christian ought to have a conscious joy. And if you are not living a life of joy, you are living beneath your privileges. 
Isn't that good? Joy is the birthmark of the child of God. Every Christian ought to have conscious joy. And if you are not living a life of joy, you are living beneath your privileges. And I feel like that is such a huge key because there is a invitation to be drawn into the things of this realm. When we feel joy slipping away, it only takes a moment to pause and go, what have I been thinking about? What have I been meditating on? What am I focused on? If joy is gone, our eyes have drifted. We have been called up higher and we've been baited to come beneath our privileges. The Apostle Paul tells us that joy is a regular part of kingdom life. In Romans 14, 17, he says, Kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what we look like. That should be the nature. That should be the fingerprints of our life. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's meant to be what comes out of a life that's lived for him. And so when we look at that in the Message Bible, it says God's kingdom is a matter, isn't a matter of what you put in your stomach, for goodness sakes. It's what God does with your life as he sets it right, puts it together, and completes it with joy. I love that phrase. What God does with your life as he sets it right, puts it together and completes it with joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Do you know that um, the book of Philippians is called the Epistle of Joy? It's uh, one of the short books. If you want to like add to your list, I read a whole book of the Bible today. Philippians, four chapters. Paul writes about joy 19 times in four chapters. And interestingly, he's writing it from prison. He's in Rome, he's in prison, he is, he is in chains, and he writes 19 times in four chapters about joy. And he talks about having joy, and he encourages people to walk in joy. And he says, this is, this is the way joy works. He's actually focused on joy from prison. In fact, Philippians 4.4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. He's not having one of his high point moments. He's in jail. And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Always. And again, I say, rejoice. Acts 2, 46 and 47. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bed from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And this is, this is the, the cool thing. This is the book of Acts when people are first walking out in this relationship with Jesus and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. It says that they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Gladness literally means in the Greek, exaltation and exceeding joy. So praising God, having favor with all the people, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I have a feeling the gladness of heart, the exceeding joy that they were walking around in had something to do with the attraction that people were drawn to. I mean, we, we kind of focus on they were filled with the Holy Spirit and power. Of course, that's part of it. But the joy was bubbling out of them. They're in a season of time when, when people were being like lit on fire as torches. When, when people were imprisoned, when houses were being burned down, when there was like rampant slavery and cruelty. And here's this group of people that are walking around just full of joy. 
And they're like, we, we don't have much. They have simplicity of heart. They're sharing what they got because obviously some people have nothing. But they're, they're going from house to house and they're just bubbling over with joy. Can you imagine how attractive that would be? This is why when Paul comes into it, he's like, honestly, rejoice in the Lord always. It's not circumstantial. So this group of people literally sold goods, shared amongst themselves. They had simplicity of heart and gladness or exceeding joy. Sometimes when we, we face the struggles of the Christmas season and we, we are tempted to look at what we don't have, right? If we only had the budget for this, if we could only get together with these people, if we could only make this happen, if we could only get home, if we could only whatever... They decided to purpose themselves to have simplicity of heart. And they had exceeding joy. I mean, the reality is, never is it going to be perfect. Not while we're on this side of eternity. It's never going to be perfect. But exceeding joy is possible for every single one of us every single day. That is delightful. The idea that we can be overflowing with gladness, a felt joy, a, a, an overflowing joy with simplicity of heart is freeing. How did they have exceeding joy? Because they were the first generation of believers who really understood what it meant to have a savior. They knew, they had grown up seeing lambs slaughtered, going annually and killing doves and goats and sheep and cows and blood everywhere because we're so broken. This is the only means by which we might actually encounter God and waiting for someday the Messiah will come. Someday God will do something that will reconcile our hearts to him. We sing the songs all the time. The Christmas carols are full of theology and it's good theology. God and sinner reconciled. Like this is why joyful, joyful, we adore thee. Not because everything's so pretty and sparkly right now, but because God and sinner are reconciled. Because God has made a way. So this first generation of believers, man, they didn't care if they had to sell stuff, share stuff, whatever. Life's not perfect. This is hard. I mean, they were driven out of their homes and had to go in exile, some of them. Like, it wasn't perfect circumstantially. But, oh, they overflowed with gladness and joy because they knew whose they were because they had experienced the Savior. So joy is meant to be evident in our lives. It is the anchor no matter what. It's the thing that when, when, we, when we can feel our joy slipping, it's an indicator for us that we need to pay attention on where our eyes have been. When, when, when we read in Philippians, we can read how the Apostle Paul tells us that we need to take our thoughts captive, that we need to pray about everything, that we need to offer, we, we need to offer what we're working through to God, that we, we decide what we're thinking about. And we rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. So I'm going to have the worship team come and we're going to finish with a song of joy 
this morning. And I want to just pray over you. This is our week of joy. And it's, it's rare the way the, the calendar has played out. We get a whole week before our Christmas Eve service. And I am praying that it is one of the most joyful weeks you've ever experienced. That any of the stress, the buildup, the budgets, the stuff that might be there and has been, been taunting you over the last season, today we are going to purpose ourselves to drop it and to focus on our Savior, the Messiah, the one who has come, the one who has given everything so that we could be in relationship with God. And I want to tell you this morning, if you, if you have not given your life to Christ yet, and you're like, I actually don't know what that means, but you can feel it this morning. You can feel the pull. Literally, we, we, we pray prayers. We have a, you know, what we call the salvation prayer in church, which is committing our lives to Christ. There is no actual salvation prayer in the Bible. Essentially, what we're saying when we come to Christ and we, we want to become a Christian is not joining a church. We want to become a Christ-like one. We want to say yes to the Savior who has given his life for us. It literally can be done on your own where you just say, Jesus, I recognize the scriptures that we heard this morning that I am a sinner, that I have been under the sway of the wicked one. I, I literally have been walking in darkness and today I recognize a great light. I recognize that there is hope. I recognize the truth of the manger. I, I recognize that Jesus came and today I'm asking you to come into my life. I'm saying yes to you. I'm saying yes to you. And I ask you to forgive my sins. And come live with me. I'm choosing to lay down my life and pick up yours. And however you phrase it, the most important thing is that it happens from your heart that you give your life to Jesus because he's given his life for you. And if you make that decision today, there's a card on the seat in front of you and, and um, just bring it to the front when the prayer team's up here and they would love to pray for you and, and minister to you. But it is so, it's so personal for us to make these decisions and I, I just wanna encourage you with that today. But I also wanna encourage the entire church if you felt like the joy has been sucked out of your life, it's your birthright. Get it back. Get it back. Let's stand together this morning. God, today we thank you for the proclamation that was made to the shepherds in the field, God, that gives us a hint of what we should feel when we experience you, when we come to know you. That proclamation that said you've come as the Savior, the Messiah. Lord, the one who saves us from our sins and brings us into right relationship with God once again. And Lord, today we choose you. We choose to receive the Savior. We choose to receive the Messiah. We choose to say yes to the living God. And Lord, for those of us who have known you, we've walked with you, but the joy has been slipping. We very purposefully run back towards you today. 
Lord, we, we repent for getting our eyes on other things and allowing something to steal from us. We come back to our birthright of joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. We choose it because we choose relationship. We choose your presence. We choose freedom, God. We choose what you've offered to us. And God, I pray that joy would bubble up from the inside like we've never known before, that every circumstance of life has to bow to your presence in us, God. We thank you that joy is something you have given us, that it's a fruit of the Spirit and a mark of your presence in us, God. That the the kingdom of joy is marked, or the kingdom of heaven is marked by joy upon us and in us. And so God, today we choose joy. I pray that we would be a people whose homes are filled with joy, that our celebrations and our preparations as we go into this Christmas week, God, would be full of joy, that our hearts would be full of joy, that we would have the stamp of joy on the inside, that calm delight that is unshakable, because we know whose we are. We know who we belong to. We know where we're going. We have a hope. We have an anchor for our soul, God. We pray that the joy meter would be off the charts this week, God. Help us to carry the light of joy wherever we go. Help us to literally declare it wherever we go. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Let it bubble out, God. And Lord, we thank you for transformation in us, in our marriages, in our homes, our families, and everywhere that you send us, God. We thank you for the gift of joy today and we choose to live in it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at Victory Church GP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.victorygp.com. You can also text to give, just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach, teach, mobilize.